0: Good afternoon. It's Monday, the 31st of May 2021, just after one o'clock. Apologies for that. Welcome to UK Column News. Your host today, Mike Robinson. Myself, Brian Gerrish, and we're delighted to be joined by David Scott, bringing us Northern Exposure from north of the border. Well, there's only one thing to talk about, Mike.
1: Well, it's the one thing that the mainstream press and media have not been talking about at all over the weekend, and that is, of course, the vast numbers of people in London for a demonstration once again of their opinions and their views. Uh, And it uh, was a spectacularly successful day, absolutely peaceful, no trouble at all. Uh, And as you can see from the image on screen at the moment, thank you to Alan for this. Uh, It uh, just an amazing turnout, spectacular.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna add Mike that I watched uh, quite a bit of video on this yesterday and it was wonderful to see the interaction with people. It was so friendly and uh, all types of people their ages
1: yes amazing so we've got we're showing a little bit of video uh, at the moment uh, the police were mostly well behaved uh, everybody was uh, in good form and uh, enjoying themselves uh, amazingly so well uh, David uh, welcome to the program uh, what can we say
2: well a really uplifting event uh, the, the coverage has been the coverage from Non-official sources has been excellent. Uh, Obviously, silence from our good friends in the BBC and others. Um, The Guardian had a little pop at it, chose a very strange line to go down, but even they had to admit there was hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, A great day. Uh,
1: Yes, well, it was indeed. So let's have a look at a bit more. Here are uh, two gentlemen from Northern Ireland uh, with a UK called Banner uh, that they produced. Fantastic stuff. Uh, uh, more uh, people with you uh, can lots of people with UK column stuff, which is really uh, very nice. So thank you very much for that but uh, uh, We can see that uh, some of the buses end up with other messages than the good. Yes, than the usual uh, advertising hoardings um, and uh, uh, lots of people expressing their views uh, people ho- um, Carrying umbrellas as usual um, and uh, and so it went on quite amazing uh, stuff and uh, well, what else can we say? Uh, well, how
0: many people do we think were there? We've had a number of reports in. Of course, some people are saying there was a million people on that march. Uh, others are are talking very high hundreds. But uh, certainly you could see the crowd stretched for miles and miles, and it kept on coming on that 12-mile route from Uh, Parliament Square all the way down to Shepherd's Bush. So this was truly truly an extraordinary sight and just fantastic that so many people got out there. Uh, And uh, David, uh, you have a couple
1: uh, as well. Uh, Nurses uh,
2: scared to speak out? Nurses, not this particular nurse, but nurses in general are scared to speak out. We know that. We've seen them having to cover their faces. We've had to disguise their voices in order to get their the messages out to the public. Uh, this particular nurse is uh, speaking out. I um, know a, a lot of people will, will know her from her YouTube videos. Uh, we've also had, you, you mentioned someone down from Northern Ireland. Um, we've uh, we've had uh, this 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 uh, next couple of photographs come in from a gentleman who went all the way down from Thurso to London for a, a grand day out. Uh, um, now, this, many people, uh,
1: David, won't know where Thurso is, so you better explain that.
2: Uh, Thurso is the very northern part of mainland Scotland. Uh, if you go any further north, uh, you you get damp. Um, his next thing next stop is Orkney. Uh, and it's a gentleman here, and he's, he's wearing his UK Column T-shirt, which he said got a lot of extremely positive attention. So that was good. And the young lady there, just from the previous slide, was uh, holding a, a placard that said, My body, my choice. This is obviously a, a slogan uh, from the, the pro-status, pro-abortion side of the, the uh, abortion argument that's been captured uh, by the demonstrators who want to have bodily autonomy uh, regarding medical treatment and resist all of the uh, persuasion, cajoling, um, social pressure, and indeed, uh, increasingly threats of legal pressure to try and force them to have uh, the jab.
1: Um, So the question then is what mainstream coverage was there? And this uh, was the Evening Standard on Saturday as the demonstration was happening. Uh, and this was their headline, hundreds join anti-vaccination process. <laughs> yes, you laugh, David. Hundreds join anti-vaccination protest in central London. Uh, in the meantime, they've got a Reuters photograph there, very similar to the one that, uh, that we showed at the beginning of the programme, but from a slightly different angle, uh, showing that uh, it was significantly more than hundreds Uh, So that was their best attempt.
0: And we say we did try and contact the Evening Standard team uh, this morning, but of course, nobody was there because of the bank holiday. But uh, the news desk um, spokesperson was keen to tell us that that it, it wasn't actually the main paper who made that report. It was the Evening Standard online. So there was a little bit of deflection of that nonsense.
1: What are they implying? That the online version is uh, of less quality than the. Well,
0: uh, who knows? But there were certainly a few cracks appearing in the organisation, and of course, the BBC is now is now no longer credible. It, It it cannot report on a million people on the march in London. It uh, can't report on anything else. The BBC is gone. Um, so at the end of the day, then, uh, apparently there seemed to be some
1: effort to get into one of the, uh, well, some people wanted to go shopping, apparently, but uh, this wasn't allowed. But what staggers me about this is the way that the ma- mainstream media covered it, because they didn't cover the main demonstration itself. They covered this event. So here's the independent anti-vaccine passport protesters storm Westfield Shopping Centre as hundreds of Join COVID demonstrations. So they're doubling down on the hundreds uh, remark. But it's this term storm, because this is the Independent. And then we've got the Metro. Uh, Anti vaxxers chanting freedom storm shopping centre and clash with police. Well, we'll see how much they clash with police in a second. Uh, then we've got Yahoo News. Anti vaccination protesters storm Westfield shopping centre and clash with police. That's the same headline. Uh, Anti vaxxers claiming pandemic is a hoax try to storm. Westfield shopping centre and clash with cops, says The Sun. Uh, And then we've got The uh, Guardian, anti-vaccine passport protesters storm Westfield Mall in London. Um, And so there's lots of storming going on, apparently, uh, across all the headlines. And, you know, it is reasonable that that when there's an event takes place, multiple uh, news outlets tend to cover it. But they tend not to use the same terms in their headlines because they tend to sort of give some idea of competition between them. Uh, but in this case, they're demonstrating once again that they are a cartel when it comes to certain uh, certain types of content, uh, and so they uh, basically have to maintain a standard narrative, a common narrative. Um, but let's just have a look. As David's uh, given the giveaway a little bit on this, but this is the uh, the f- one sentence in the Guardian article which mentioned how many people were actually taking part in the main demonstration. Uh, the Westfield invasion came after a mass march of about twelve miles through London starting in Parliament Square and reaching as far west as Acton, at its height there appeared to be hundreds of thousands of people taking part. So the question then is, uh, did anybody storm the mall? Well, let's just have a look uh, at some video here because it didn't seem like there was much evidence of storming going on. However, uh, it was the, the blue vested uh, police liaison officers here replaced with um, tactical support group officers Um, And, uh, well, people were uh, standing outside. A lot of people did get in, not through this entrance because the police uh, blocked this entrance off, but there was unfortunately another entrance that the police weren't covering. Um, But, you know, everybody being very well behaved. At one point, the police moved forward towards the crowd. They weren't storming the crowd. They were just moving forward. Um, uh, And the crowd simply moved back at another point during uh, this incident uh, as the police started to attempt well, they seemed to be starting to be a little bit more aggressive. People sat down uh, and simply refused to engage uh, with any aggression at all. So uh, the, the, the crowd there behaving uh, in a pretty much exemplary manner.
0: They, they, were, they were pretty good. A lot of the police you could clearly see were embarrassed because the crowd was talking to them pretty reasonably and challenging them on good grounds as to why they were there and what they were doing. And later on from this incident, I think the tactical support group um, were basically marching along the side of the building and they didn't look comfortable at all, apart from the fact they were so vastly outnumbered by the crowd. So there was no storming went on here. The people simply found a doorway and walked in and they were very friendly and the whole atmosphere was 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 wonderful they were puzzled as to why the police were doing this i yeah. don't know what the point of this was
1: yes indeed now there was one particular uh, moment uh, during this that i thought was worth and thank you very much to the person who sent me this video clip uh, that i thought was worth showing so just have a look at this and what happened
3: down. We ain't got truncheons. So, why are you putting truncheons down? We ain't got truncheons. We ain't, we ain't got truncheons. Why you putting truncheons down? We haven't got truncheons. So why have you got truncheons? Why have you got truncheons? Why have you got truncheons? You Put your trenches down. Put your truncheons down. Put your truncheons down. Put them down now. Put it down. We're peaceful. We are peaceful.
1: David, I don't know what your reaction is to that, but but uh, that's a, a quite a spectacular uh, situation developing there where the police are effectively
2: taking orders from a member of the public. Yes, because the member of public, A, owned them, B was correct, um, and um, C was in charge, because he was thinking. And the reason he was in charge is that the police were reacting in a way which which wasn't based on what was in front of them. And they did, to their credit, when challenged, they did realise this. Um, and we want to see them complying in cases like that. Uh, but well done to the member of public for for calling them out on that, because what was, what was the reason that truncheons are brought out? To aggravate the situation, to escalate the situation, which is the very opposite of what the police are there to do.
0: Yes, so you've worked that out, we can work that out, but apparently... Um, Crusida Dick presumably can't work it out. Um, well, we'd just like to um, say before we just move off the London end of the protests, uh, I wanted to thank uh, Resistance GB, which did also did a, who also did a huge amount of filming during the day, and there were some really excellent clips with interviews with people in the crowd, and one of those was a seat gentleman who was giving a lot of information about what was really happening in India. And I thought this was one of the beauties that there was that mass of people and yet people in that crowd were still engaging with each other and having very sensible, measured conversations. So we're going to say well done to Resistance GB for that film footage. Uh, David. Sorry, go on.
2: Just just to finish on the storm thing, a storm to storm, attack, charge or rush. That would be a lie by six variations of the mainstream media. Wouldn't it? Uh, it
1: would, yes, one hundred percent. So um, that was what was happening in London. In Australia, there's a different policing approach.
0: Well, indeed, and this is a very interesting clip. Edited it down as short as we can get it, but I think you'll you'll get the story which emerges. But essentially, a very small number of uh, people out in Flagstaff Gardens, Melbourne. Um, they are obviously protesting about lockdown and vaccines. Mm-hmm but it's the interaction with the police that's absolutely fascinating. So consider what happened in London, how the police reacted. Now have a look at what's happening in Australia.
3: No, we don't talk to police.
0: Yeah, well, you will talk to us. Yeah? you, yeah, you, will. Will. Yeah, you will. Oh, yeah, yeah why yeah. is that? Because you're not wearing a mask, so you've got it. exemption mate. Yeah, can you, can
3: you tell it to me? I so have to show I want to confirm where you're from, mate. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, uh, no, the no. no, 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 come in, mate. Please, I'm under no. arrest. No, no, you're going to tell me where you're from no. because, no. because no. I believe
0: you're outside 5K. Yeah. Yeah. Based no, on no, what? No. What's your, what's your no. belief based on? you show me your license, very No, you
3: cannot arrest me on an assumption. No, no, no. You need to have reasonable grounds. Oh, in the High Court case, when a statute prescribes, re- prescribes that there must be reasonable grounds for a state of mind, it requires the... when a statute prescribes that there must be reasonable grounds for a state of mind, it requires the existence of facts. Cordon, cordon, everyone, cordon. Hello. Please provide facts to verify that i What's your, your name? Okay. offence. What's your yeah. name? Show me your license. You have my way. What's your name? Excuse me, is that civil?
2: You have the, the, How the civil is that? Not,
3: You've got... It's irrelevant. You don't have the grounds for it in the first place, and well, I know we that. we
2: are not going to argue about that, but we do. Well, well okay. you,
3: you don't, and we know you don't. Yeah. So, it's going to be, if you're confident enough, because I'm already I'm already going through the police conduct yeah. unit, I'm already setting yeah. up another, you know, case against the, the PSOs that arrested me in the
2: past, and hopefully yeah. if you do it, you do, sure. do it... You you know, than, Justin
3: say, it. Goldsmith, inspector.
1: Yeah. Okay, Justin Goldsmith. The, we're more than and your birds number, Justin? make okay? 29601 More than comfortable, comfortable to make the rest We are giving you an opportunity, 5 or 10 minutes To leave the area, okay So you've been given plenty of warning Could we not be surrounded?
3: Hey, oh, me there, you dickheads got your, got your footage Got your footage
2: All that police, for this size of people, Let's us look at them, what
3: are they scared of? That is so cute! <laughs> Alright boys, girls, thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we should, they're getting way ahead.
3: Hey, go back, go back, go back. Go back. Nah.
0: No. They're gonna grab Yeah. Alright, hey, Nick. We'll turn around.
1: The cops, are, the cops are beating people. The cops are beating them.
3: The cops are beating them and pepper spraying everyone. They're pepper spraying everyone. Look at this, everyone. Australia. Have a look, Australia. Australia, are you watching?
0: Australia, are you watching? So the key points in in that video clip were really how few uh, people were protesting and the massive scale of the police operation. But of course, the senior police officer said, well, we could arrest you or we're giving you the opportunity to disperse. So that very small group of, of people then moved away from the scene, albeit they were being slow doing it. And what happens, in came the hobby, heavy mob and the horses to uh, beat people to the ground. So we've got this common thread of policing now creeping up, not only in Europe, but uh, as far uh, far away as Australia. Um, who is training these people? Uh, but the guy says, what are they frightened of? And the answer to that is, of course, they're frightened of the wider public waking up to the truth and speaking out that truth. So the police there are demonstrating that they're afraid of the truth. David, there's some very simple things for people to do, and that is to continue speaking out the truth and giving the evidence as to what's really happening because the state is terrified of the truth.
2: The state is losing the narrative. Right, they, they need to have a coherent narrative to lock us all down, to remove our rights, to mask us, to intimidate us, to fill us with fear. Lack of fear is a threat to that. People speaking out is a threat to that. The loss of credibility of organisations like the BBC is a threat to that. And actually the police, police behaviour, as we saw there, is a threat to that. Because this is no longer credible, this is clearly oppression. This is no longer policing as we know it. Remember, we're policed by consent, Australia too. There wasn't a lot of consent going on there. There was, there was no law breaking. These were peaceful people. Who was breaking the law? The police were breaking the law. Now, how long does that go on to all police credibility ceases? Not long. No, indeed.
1: Uh, Well, look, uh, we're going to head over to the United States just for a little second because, uh, of course, David mentioning fear and uh, fear is what's driving these policing standards. But, of course, uh, in the UK, what kind of sporting uh, events are we going to be able to attend this summer? It's very unclear because the fear narrative very much being driven uh, in this country. I just thought we would look at uh, the Indianapolis uh, 500 um, and how many people were there. Uh, This is like this was yesterday, of course, uh, and the stadiums are absolutely full uh, and uh, nobody wearing masks, nobody social distancing uh, in uh, Europe. There's no such uh, behaviour going on, it seems. Uh, So clearly all these people are going to die imminently, Brian.
0: Well, a number of uh, health and safety regulations being breached there. We're not only not social distancing, we're climbing fences without uh, any form of support. Just disgraceful or good to see, depending on how you look at it. Well, who's causing the trouble in UK? And I think we need to go to the Metro headline here uh, because let's uh, bring in the happy couple. says, uh, here they are. Boris and Carrie reveal first picture from what's described as a secret wedding. And they're in the garden of 10 Downing Street after they tied the knot. Apparently, um, some people actually were confused, according to the Metro anyway, as to why the Prime Minister was allowed to, to marry in Westminster Cathedral. Priest questions why twice-divorced Boris was allowed to remarry in church. Uh, well, that's because there's one rule for the elite in uh, Westminster and completely different rule for other members of the public. It's very straightforward. But we had to turn to Russia today to get into the real meat of things because Russia today uh, was on the subject of failings by the prime minister for um, violating ministerial code. But uh, you notice that he there was a significant failing, but he was cleared of violating the code. Yes. So um, done something wrong, but hasn't really done anything wrong. But I'm just going to say, and people may think I'm a little bit harsh here, but if he betrays his wife, his wives, and his family for a new skirt, then I think we can be pretty sure that he won't hesitate to betray the nation with the same contempt.
1: Uh, well, uh, hold on, I, you know, I think that's a bit unfair. I mean, the question, the question really there is, is... Who
0: wears the skirt?
1: Yes, and which one of those two is actually the Prime Minister?
0: Well, there's, there's a question. Uh, I believe the lady on the, the right starred in a satanic play, so possibly she'd be well qualified, but which skirt is in control, we don't know. So we don't think that uh, Boris is going to look after the country, but we'll stick with Russia today because I saw this picture and I thought this was really incredible. Because what we've what we've got here is Matt Hancock using the nation's flag as a, what I can only describe as a nose rag, and for people, particularly people that have served in the armed forces, where for 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 we could have a discussion on whether the respect was deserved or not, but huge respect for the nation's flag. Um, But no, here it is being used as a handkerchief. Um, What's this about? Well, apparently, uh, Matt Hancock committed a minor breach of the Ministerial Code. Um, And this is in respect of contracts. So he had a 20% stake in Topwood Limited, company run by his sister and brother-in-law. They received some pretty big NHS contracts. He forgot that he'd got interest in that company, really. And um, everybody made a lot of money, but he didn't do anything wrong. And I think that this picture is just incredible because Matt Hancock is simply mocking the nation as as he does what he does. And of course, The Guardian here pointing out that we've now got Lord Geat here as a, a new advisor on UK ministers interests. So presumably he's advising them as to how best look after their interests. he says he'll quit if his findings are ignored. So I encourage people to go and have a look at Lord Gatine and and see what his background is and see whether you feel that he's suitable to uh, bring the politicians in some form of control. I don't think so.
1: Um, So Friday's news programme began and ended and no mention of of YouTube at all. But uh, by the time Friday afternoon came along, uh, I went and had a look at our YouTube channel and discovered this. Uh, your account has been permanently disabled. Um, So we are now off YouTube uh, at last, it seems. Uh, Now, of course, this causes some problems on the website because as many people have noticed over the weekend, if you go to the archives, uh, quite a number of uh, the past UK column news programs are not currently on the website as a result. Uh, Well, don't worry, Uh, we have that in hand. It'll take us a couple of days to sort it out, but we will be getting all the uh, past programs back up there. They are uh, already Uh, hosted on Odyssey and in other places, Uh, and it's a question of uh, replacing the links um, on the uh, on the website which we will do over the next uh, couple of days. Um, But of course uh, YouTube is gone uh, and so that's it. So if you would like to support us uh, because we do need it, uh, please head over to ukcolumn.org forward slash community and there are options to help us out there Um, and also share our material on the platforms while they're still available to us. Uh, You can see that YouTube is no longer on this list anymore, Uh, but we do now have a channel on rumble.com. So uh, uh, you can see forthcoming programs on there as well as on BitChute and Odyssey. And we'll have uh, some more announcements about uh, future streaming and so on in the not too distant future.
0: Yeah, so still quite a lot to do. Material is safe, but it's the time scale to to, uh, get it replaced in different locations. So stay with us on that. And thank you very much for people that are uploading our material to their own sites. This is extremely helpful. And if there are more people that could do it, preferably the million people in London, that would be a huge plus for us. Well, I'd just like to say more UK Column t-shirts. This was a very nice email sent through to us by Nicola, um, who's got some connections, Conservative woman, I think. And she was there at the march with a 73-year-old father she said i think one woman mistook him for you i believe that must be me mike Um, i think she's got the better deal with her father so i've emailed her back to say stick with your father you've got the the better looking one but as uh, nicholas says there what an amazing day hundreds of thousands there Uh, we've also got lawrence here who was at st james park on route to start of the london protest and he was pretty happy with his t-shirt so well done lawrence and we've also got a UK Column hat here, another T-shirt um, and also a, um, a banner with UK Real News. So thank you very, very much to everybody that was giving a very public show of support for the UK Column.
1: Uh, just on the subject of t-shirts, Brian, I know some people are still waiting for them. We will have everything. We, we will be caught up to date uh, by the end of this week. So apologies once again that we, we got so behind with orders, but uh, we are catching up and we will have re- everybody will have theirs by the end of the week. Yeah, excellent. And David, uh, your speech from last week's event in uh, Edinburgh is now on uh, the Northern Exposure channel.
2: Glasgow, Mike. That's, Glasgow, that, I do in it. Scottish terms. In Scottish terms, that's a mistake you really can't make. Uh, no, there was a job square in Glasgow. Uh, my speech is up, and uh, I'll be putting up over the next couple of days uh, many others, uh, many other speeches, including uh, that of uh, Dr. Bruce Scott, UK column contributor, who is also speaking there. Okay, thank you. I do apologise for my faux pas.
0: Okay, now many people will know about Dr. Rainer Fulmick and the corona investigation. A lot of work going on with a team mainly based in Germany, uh, but making great efforts to get the truth out about what's been happening with the uh, coronavirus and the subsequent vaccine programme. Uh, I was delighted to be invited to speak to this group on Friday, just gone, uh, where there was um, a discussion. There were various people being brought in usually to speak for one hour. Um, Dr. Rainer Fulmick on the left here. And um, this was a very interesting uh, session. I was able to listen in to some of the conversation before my slot. My German is extremely limited, but it was quickly possible to establish that one of the things that was being said repeatedly was that the the whole policies that were being unleashed in Germany and elsewhere were madness. And this prompted us to have a discussion about uh, the use of applied behavioral psychology in order to essentially poison the whole of the political system and and the public service administration. Uh, So I came into the group and uh, you can have a look at that at the moment on Odyssey if you want to listen to that interview. Thank you very much to all the people who have listened and have sent me an email thanking me. And uh, I understand that some of it is going to be transcribed fairly shortly, Mike. Yes. By our very own Alex Thompson. So you'll you'll be able to um, see the text on screen because the audio is a little bit poor. And I think viewers overseas will be able to hear the hear my words in German. So thank you to Alex for that. Uh, I would also like to say thank Howard, who's been helping in the background with the setup of that interview and the subsequent uh, Uh, video uh, that he's produced this fantastic uh, cartoon, which people really need to freeze on screen. Uh, But it's uh, really pointing a finger uh, right at the World Health Organization of the United Nations for unleashing this vaccine nightmare on the world. So a busy cartoon. There's lots of good information on it. And I'm going to say thank you very much to Howard for sending that through to us. Also like to say that if you go on to SoundCloud for the alternative view, uh, you can listen in to the update that I gave a week or so ago, telling people what we are about to do in order to get the alternative view off the ground again. So a big thank you to John for setting this up. Uh, Also like to thank John for getting us up on the TAP news uh, with an update on alternative view and a lot of information coming through the pipeline. Now, where does that take us? Well, unfortunately, it takes us to the sun. Well, at least in my opinion. And uh, I picked up this article from a few days ago, which said that Jonathan Van Tam has become one of the unlikely stars of a group of experts and advisors informing the UK's response to COVID-19. Mr Van Tam, known as JVT, was appointed to the role of Deputy Chief Medical Officer for England in October 2017, and he's known for his colourful metaphors at the government's press conferences. So this caught my eye that essentially colourful metaphors were more important than the truth, uh, because clearly he's not telling the truth. Maybe he's ignorant of the truth or he's deceiving the public. We don't know, but he is good at metaphors. But I think the meat of this article was wrong. Certainly he doesn't need to be known as jvt it would be more appropriate if he was dvt Uh, dvt of course standing for deep vein thrombosis or blood clotting which is promoted vaccines that are causing so i think that's what we should be calling him dvt Um, we've had emails in talking about problems with blood clots this one here talking about a gentleman called mike yardley now reflecting on how close the nhs came to killing me No one listened pre-vax when I said I had a clotting history. No one listened when after a catastrophic reaction to the vax, I asked for a leg scan, survived for months with an untreated clot found after the fourth request for a scan. So this is the reality of what the vaccines are doing to people. Meanwhile, um, Mr. Von Tam is coming out with colourful metaphors got another one here. Sad to listen to this. I too lost my most amazing friend. She was fit and healthy at just 66. She had a swollen leg, sent a pic to the doctor. He said it's an infection and gave her antibiotics. And essentially what happened, this lady died uh, as a result of clots. So this is the harsh reality. Meanwhile, the government lies to the British public over the dangers of vaccines. If you go to the UK card, Sorry, UK column yellow card section. You can, of course, go into the database. Uh, these are the current figures on total reactions 859,481 with 1,213 fatalities. Uh, Mike and team have set this up so it's easy to search. So we put in vascular disorders, and you can see the, the breadth. And depth of what's happening here, hemorrhages at the bottom, 528 with AstraZeneca, two deaths, 132 responses with Pfizer and two deaths. But if you go on to the next page at the top, you can see the headline for thrombosis, 1,054 for AstraZeneca with 20 fatalities, uh, Pfizer 140 with seven. And it appears that the government still thinks this is a joke. Got a little bit more to do on this, David, but it's really extraordinary, the callous behaviour of these officials such as Van Tam and Matt Hancock, who seem to think that what they've unleashed is a joke.
2: Very interesting CV, Mr. Van Tam. Uh, He's got an MBE in the military division because he's head of the cadets, the cadet force in uh, Norfolk or somewhere else. Um, and his uh, grandfather was prime minister of Vietnam.
0: Yes.
2: So, so it's a it's a very it's a very interesting CV, isn't it? Strange how the people who end up running these uh, organisations so often have very interesting CVs and backstories.
0: Indeed, and, and we need people to search as much as possible because it is interesting how much detail can come out when enough people are digging. Now, David, you picked up on this BBC News article here, COVID-19, very few COVID hospital patients had two jabs. I've done a little bit of work on this, but I'll bring you in for comment. So I'm just going to add into this that, uh, uh, well, this is what was said. Vaccine Minister Ned Hamzawi has confirmed that the government is considering making coronavirus vaccines compulsory for NHS staff. Uh, NHS staff have been eligible to receive a jab since the first phase of the vaccine rollout. But the fact that there is no requirement for them to take up the offer has become a widely debated issue.
1: Uh, Can I ask why would it become a widely debated issue if NHS staff were in any way uh, believing in the efficacy of the vaccines? Because surely they would be the first to be jumping on it.
0: Well, yes, except we're about to show, Mike, that really the NHS staff are not going to be given the opportunity to speak because somebody's going to speak for them. But fascinating how all of a sudden the vaccine is just an offer. There's no pressure to take it. There's no phone calls and texts coming through from the government. It's just there on offer. If you want to come forward and say you'd like it, that's fine. If you're in a care home and you say, I don't want to accept your offer, Uh, well, you're going to get the vaccine anyway. So this is a very, very deceptive article from the BBC. But who was the man quoted in this article? It's Chris Hopson uh, from an organisation we'd never heard of before called NHS Providers. So let's look at what he had to say very quickly. He said that very, very few COVID patients in hospital England have received two coronavirus jabs, showing the vaccines provide very high levels of protection. Um, Well, no evidence for that at all, David. I'm going to ask you to respond to that particular one before I move through a a few more. But there's very, very few uh, COVID patients in hospital that received two coronavirus jabs.
2: Well, this is, of course, correct, because there are very, very few coronavirus patients in hospital. Therefore, there must be very, very few who have received two jabs um the equate the equating of this small number with the efficacy of um uh, of the job is of course statistically and scientifically um, uh, incompetent. But this is no surprise because these people are not medics and scientists. they're something else, Brian.
0: Yes, indeed they are. We're going to have a little look into uh, Chris Hobson in a minute. But he said this as well. He said that patients now tended to be younger, meaning there was a lower need for critical care. But all the reports we're getting from the hospitals are that they are crammed with all age groups. And uh, we don't know what his evidence for this is. And there's no evidence, of course, in the BBC article.
1: Well, I was just going to say, (laughs) Brian, that in fact... Uh, Dereford Hospital last week said that they were mainly dealing with uh, acute cases amongst elderly people.
0: Yes. Yeah. So he went on to say incredibly striking how busy hospitals were as they deal with non-COVID backlogs. Uh, well, we're going to ask a question here. How many patients are vaccine damaged at the moment? Because there's no statistics actually being put out as to what's happening in the NHS. So we don't know where Uh, or how Chris Hobson is able to make this statement. He said, trusts were going full pelt. Trusts are seeing more patients who put off treatment in the pandemic and who now require more complex care and longer stays. Well, it's funny, but I would have thought that actually the truth was that people didn't put off treatment. They will refuse GP and NHS treatment during the pandemic. That is correct. So um, is it that Chris Hobson doesn't know what's going on. Is is he deliberately misleading the public or is he ignorant as what's happening? Because clearly people could not get treatment, but he doesn't talk about that. He said that more informed debate was needed over ending coronavirus restrictions in England on the 21st of June. And I think his phrasing here is, is so that he can spin the line that perhaps the restriction should remain. And um, he then goes on to say that he's spoken to heads of NHS trusts in hotspots in the past forty hours, 48 hours with one trust seeing 47 coronavirus patients on Saturday compared to 49 the day before. In comparison, the trust had 170 coronavirus patients during the last November's peak. Um, so it's all winding down, but there isn't a single word about vaccine problems. And he said this, a handful of patients in hospital have received both vaccination doses, but they usually have additional uh, conditions. Uh, So essentially, um, we're not going to do any investigation as to what's happening. Um, Where are the statistics to support his claim anyway, Mike?
1: Yes, but uh, of course, that uh, statement, um, if somebody dies of coronavirus, doesn't matter how many underlying additional conditions they have, they have died of coronavirus. But if somebody uh, takes an adverse reaction to the uh, to the jab and pass away. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, then they have underlying additional conditions which may have contributed to their death. So, so uh, you know th- what he's expressing here is is uh, once again wanting it both ways.
0: Wanting it both ways, David. Quickly,
2: right, and I think we have to remember this is all this talk about hospitals being rammed and all the rest of it. The number of people who have died in the, in the whole of the UK within 20 days of a positive PCR, unreliable COVID test is six. That's the daily average at the moment, six. So, uh, and, and of course, most of them didn't die of COVID simply with a positive test within 28 days of the date of death. Um, this is not a pandemic, there is nothing even remotely to be afraid of at this point, and yet they still try to manufacture some fear. Uh,
0: They do. Uh, Now, we had a little bit of a delve into um, NHS providers, and I think it becomes a little bit more clear what's going on here. Let's look at this. It says, we occupy a distinctive place in the health sector. We're a membership organisation for NHS hospital, mental health, community and ambulance services that treat patients and service users in the NHS. We help those NHS trusts and foundation trusts to deliver high quality patient focused care by enabling them to learn from each other, acting as their public voice and helping shape the system in which they operate. What do you think this organization does, Mike?
1: It's not entirely clear, but I'm wondering what does service users mean?
0: Well, what does it mean? Um, We couldn't understand a lot of this website, But I think what this website is doing, what this organization is doing, is acting as the upfront political voice for the NHS to make sure that ordinary doctors and nurses can't speak out because this is the the organization that does it for them. And if you have a look at NHS providers, it says that strategic objectives span the key focus areas, shape and influence the financial policy and regulatory frameworks So finance comes first. That is the first thing they're interested in. They're not interested about patient care first. They're interested in finance. And here we are, they're influencing, shaping the environment and culture in which our members operate. They're being the collective voice. So if you're a nurse, don't bother speaking out because NHS providers is gonna speak for you. And if we have a look at the key people, uh, we've got a Saffron Cordray here and uh, Adam Brimlow, let's just pop them up on the screen. So Saffron is the deputy chief executive. She's extensive experience in policy development, influencing communications, and has worked in the healthcare sector since 2007. Before that, she was with the local government association as the voice of local councils, mm. and her early career focused on influencing EU legislation and policy development. Uh, but she's she can speak modern languages. Well, that's jolly good. But she's not exactly um, on the wards looking after patients. Let's have a look at Adam. Uh, well, he's the Director of Communications. Prior to joining as Head of News in 2016, he was a BBC health correspondent for 14 years, working across a range of outlets, including today, World at One on Radio 4, TV news, bulletins, and online. Previously also worked for the BBC World Service. So this is a man absolutely trained to um, follow the BBC line, which will be the government's line. And if you're curious about the chief executive himself, um, this is his background. Um, He's got a career in politics, commercial television, and the civil service. So David, um, that's the man speaking out for the NHS. That's probably why there's no evidence. And if we just add the last bit, he leads the organization with a particular emphasis on setting strategy, senior stakeholder management, acting as the principal, public voice of the organization and representing the provider sector on a range of NHS system committees. So we're going to say he doesn't appear to be fit for purpose, but he's clearly controlling the organization. And just to uh, finish the segment here, um, we've got uh, this sent in to us. um, Wednesday and Friday last week, your program highlighted a couple of cases and claims by professional individuals that hospitals were very busy. And this uh, individual says that a close friend whose elderly mother had a fall at home this past week had a two hour wait for an ambulance uh, for the hospital a mile away and then they said at the same time we can see ambulances parked up the location is Barton Heliport at Eccles just on the corner of Barton Moss Road that leads to the fracking site that's been mothballed oh, i beg your pardon there should have been two images there uh, but basically it showed a fenced area full of ambulances clearly sitting and uh and uh, not out on the job. Uh,
1: Yes, well, I think uh, we'll be coming back to that in one second, but before we do, David, uh, the the question that we've been asking uh, over the last number of months has been, what evidence has there been for a pandemic? And of course, uh, one of the uh, industry sectors, which is best capable at managing risk and dealing with risk, and probably has the best uh, experts in risk management is the insurance industry. So, uh, Zero Hedge here, with a headline "Life Insurance and COVID-19: Something Doesn't Make Sense."
2: Yes, yeah, so Zero Hedge uh, called one of the brokers um, who interacts with hundreds of big life insurers, and uh, discussed COVID with them. Um, and it transpired it was it, the insurance industry is just viewing this as business as normal, no change. Um, he he asked them specifically. Uh, if the insurers wanted a COVID test as part of the under, underwriting pro uh, process and was told that there was no insurer that, the, that this person was aware of uh, that required any such uh, restriction or any sh- such information. Um, he asked if uh, the cost per thousand of coverage is increased. No, the answer to that was no. Now, the, the point that Zero Hedge is making here Is this is a very risk-averse industry. It's a very well-informed industry and they are uh, liable to the tune of eye-watering amounts of money if they get this call wrong. And they've viewed COVID-19 as a big nothing.
1: Yes, but in the meantime, you know, the psychological attack continues. So Amanda Patel in the Mail uh, over the weekend, uh, Patel's people, the selfish rugby star Henry Slade is all brawn but no brain.
2: Yeah, it, Patel, former former advisor to um, William Hague, uh, this lady, Amanda Patel, um, perhaps one of the worst articles I've ever seen, uh, and, and here I must uh, leap to the defence of a rugby player who made his own personal decision which he has every right to do about what goes on to his body. And I would point out that given his age and fitness, he is at no risk from COVID. Uh, He would be at risk if he's very unlucky from the vaccine. Um, So I can see how he would make this decision. Uh, So Patel writes, In a world where those reluctant to get jabbed look at their leaders, cultural, spiritual, and yes, sporting, Sledge said, quote, I just think uh, there isn't enough testing to deem it safe. There's no way of knowing what will happen with the vaccine in the future. I don't fancy it. So he's ex- he's expressing caution. Amanda Patel he plays into the paranoia of others reluctant to get a job that could free not just the young, privileged, well-paid men such as him from the tyranny of lockdown, but the elderly, vulnerable, infirm and the poor. She, of of course, ignores the source of the tyranny of the lockdown, which is, of course, the political decisions. All admiration for him is gone. He may have a rugby player's brawn, but there's no brain there at all. So here you see the demonisation of uh, anyone who uh, just decides not to take the vaccine. They're being Uh, portrayed as subhuman we know where that one goes Um, and uh, treated with contempt and something approaching disgust Uh, quite an interesting article Um, so I would have to say um, well done the rugby player for uh, making his own mind up and and assessing the risks and making a call and having the courage then to speak about it he got very heavily attacked in the mainstream press for doing this that is a problem If people cannot make uh, an informed decision, if people do not have actual control over whether or not they consent, without this sort of public humiliation and ridicule from uh, the mainstream media, we have uh, yet another major problem over consent.
1: Uh, Indeed. Now, uh, uh, we've been talking about uh, hospitalisations and figures and so on, but uh, uh, you've got a a freedom of information uh, reply here with respect to Devon and Cornwall.
2: Yeah, Devon and Cornwall, this is a freedom of information uh, response for questions. It it covers the period from the start of COVID up to to January this year. Um, And the total numbers in University Hospitals Plymouth and in Royal Cornwall Hospitals, um, who died from COVID with no underlying health condition. And the numbers reported are four, and less than five. Again, this shows the nature of the problem, this shows the scale of the issue, and this shows that the mainstream narrative, the government narrative, simply is not credible.
1: Uh, Yes, but in the meantime, we've got uh, this situation which continues to build of hospitals full in the middle of summer 2021. No particular explanation as specifically what's causing that. We've mentioned it a couple of times on the programme today already and over the last couple of weeks. Uh, is it vaccination adverse reactions? Is it people that are uh, suddenly finding themselves in a pretty acute situation having not received any treatment over the last 12 months? Uh, this is uh, These questions do need to be asked and more importantly answered. But in the meantime, uh, Southwest, Southwestern Ambulance Service have decided to declare a critical incident uh, due to extreme pressures on the service. Uh, as a result, some pa- patients may wait longer for an ambulance while others could be advised to access alternative services if their call is not life threatening. This is what they tweeted out uh, yesterday. Um, But in fact, there's a little bit more to this because they made a statement to the the media uh, and they said that uh, people should only call 999 for an an ambulance in a medical emergency. For example, if someone had stopped breathing, has fallen unconscious or has serious bleeding, People with what they describe as non-life threatening, but urgent problems like broken bones, sprains, or burns should contact NHS 111. Um, and they said that inappropriate use of the 999 service puts unnecessary additional pressure on limited ambulance resources and can delay emergency care to those most at need. Now, of course, uh, we have the situation that, uh, as you know, today is a bank holiday, uh, but this is also the beginning of the half term week. so. Uh, Quite a number of extra people coming to the southwest uh, for holidays, Brian. But nonetheless, uh, I think to suggest that, uh, you know, this this is quite vague in a certain sense. If you have burns, call 111. This is a pretty...
0: Um, And we know if you call 111, initially you're not going to speak to a qualified person. They will make a decision and then bring in a a qualified uh, person to speak to you. So the clock's ticking the whole time. A uh, missing slide yes, has turned, turned up, up here, up, yes. well, which is good. This is the ambulances parked up in Greater Manchester that the coin viewer had emailed in uh, to tell us about. So not sure what's going on there, but uh, ambulances clearly not on the road. Um,
1: but in the meantime, di- David, and
0: I have to say this particular contract uh, has garnered a
1: lot of attention from viewers and listeners. Lots of people sending this through uh, by email, but this is a contract from Scotland for... Uh, well, it's called the Disaster Victim Identification Shelters. So what is, it, what is exactly being uh, contracted for here? It,
2: well, it, it, it's basically some large tents, um, about five or six metres long, four metres wide, three metres high, temporary enclosures with means of fixing them down and holding them in position. So it, it's very, very odd that Police Scotland and the Scottish Police Authority, have decided to procure some tents by advertising for disaster victim identification shelters, specifically uh, for use in the event of a mass fatality incident. Now, I'd have thought a tent is a tent is a tent, and uh, having some temporary shelters might be quite handy if you police Scotland, and, and, and buying them seems reasonable. Why on earth would you be so specific about a general item that could be used for a multitude of purposes? It doesn't seem rational. I don't know what this is. Uh, if anyone knows or if anyone's got any ideas as to why this has been advertised in this manner, uh, we would love to hear.
0: Uh, David, if I may, my guess at this is that this is a reaction to policy documents which are coming through. We've been talking about the numbers of documents in UK talking about forthcoming pandemics and then, hey, presto, up pops COVID. I think there will be other documents going into Police Scotland, and they will be re- reacting to those uh, policy documents, which will suggest that there is some form of incident coming. So I think we need a bit of help to see Uh, what those documents are and what is pulling this actually pulling the strings of Police Scotland.
1: Yes. Now, uh, the issue of fear, which again, as we mentioned several times in this programme so far, of course, we've been talking about that since this since uh, March or April last year, David, uh, but spiked here. uh, Another media outlet joining the list that are starting to talk about this uh, spiked saying the manufacturing of fear. the media have terrorised the public during the pandemic.
2: Yes, this is a good summary uh, article looking back over the media's um, efforts during the during the, the, the so-called COVID pandemic. Um, the look back at a, a wide range of articles and, and storylines, a good number of which we have covered uh, at the time on the UK Column News. Um, but it's a good overview and a summary and uh, it starts off the following um Uh, overview of of the situation. Um, uh, The author uh, writes uh, regarding fear, that's how the media approach COVID. Be afraid of everything, from ice cream to semen. Be afraid of being tall. Be afraid of being bald. Be afraid of going to the shops and accepting home deliveries. And if you're a man, it's not just semen you should worry about but also your testicles, your erectile dysfunction, your fertility, even your toes in danger. The fear mongering is relentless. Be afraid, afraid of your pets. Be afraid for your pets. Just be afraid. That's a very good summary of the last year of mainstream media output.
0: And and let's reinforce it. And of course, we know where the boiler room is for this type of stuff is the behavioural insights team. And that was fully integrated with the cabinet office in David Cameron's era and and that uh, behavioural insights team now working with Sage to increase fear. That's what their own documents state. So it's it's government policy to induce greater fear in the in the public. It's not an accident. No, uh, but uh, in the meantime, more doctors speaking out, this time from Israel. Uh, the
1: headline here, 93 Israeli doctors do not use COVID-19 vaccine on children. Uh, they say, we believe that not even a handful of children should be endangered through mass vaccination against the disease not dangerous to them. Um, so they've signed a letter of protest. Uh, the letter is to the uh, uh, Israeli health department uh, and uh, this channel, Channel 12 has uh, received it. Um, there is no room for vaccinating children at this time. Uh, they, it's based on called f- uh, on the following values: the value of caution, the value of humility, as well as understanding the haste. That haste is from the devil. Uh, they also cite uh, the recognition that we do not understand everything about the virus and the vaccine against it. Um, and uh, they cite the first commandment of medicine: first, do no harm. Um, so it includes the signatures of Dr. Amir. Shaq, uh, Shakar, uh, who's director of the emergency room at uh, a major hospital, Dr. Yoav, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get these these names wrong, but uh, uh, Yehaz Kelly, an expert in intern, internal medicine and a lecturer at Tel Aviv University, and others from other hospitals and so on. Uh, and they addressed a letter to the chiefs of the Ministry of Health, to our fellow doctors around the country, and to the entire public. Uh, they noticed that. Noticed. Sorry. They noted that the increasing prevalent opinion within the scientific community is that the vaccine cannot lead to herd immunity. Therefore, there is currently no altruistic justification for vaccinating children to protect uh, at-risk populations. So more doctors speaking out, uh, and uh, then uh, this um, from Buckman's homepage. Uh, Please commit more blatant academic fraud. I strongly suggest everybody goes and reads this blog post from Saturday. Uh, And it begins, this week I was thrilled to read about the first well-documented case of explicit academic fraud in the artificial intelligence community. I hope that this is the beginning of a trend and that other researchers will be inspired by their example and follow up by engaging in uh, even more blatant forms of fraud. in the future his argument is, uh, the more blatant it is, the more it becomes uh, to the awareness of other people in the scientific community and also the public, then actually the less that can happen in the long run. But he goes on to say, Explicit academic fraud is of course the natural extension of the sort of mundane day-to-day fraud that most academics in our community commit on a regular basis. Trying that shiny new algorithm out on a couple of dozen seeds and then only reporting the best few, running a big hyperparameter sweep on your proposed approach but using the defaults for, for the baseline. Uh, cherry-picking examples where your model looks good, or cherry-picking whole data sets to test on where you've confirmed your model's advantage, Uh, making up new problem settings, new data sets, new objectives in order to claim victory on an empty playing field, proclaiming that your work is a promising first step in your introduction despite being fully aware that nobody will ever build on it, submitting a picture, uh, a paper to a conference because it's got a decent shot at acceptance, and you don't want the time you spent on it going to waste, even though you've since realized that the core ideas aren't quite correct. Uh, But now that blatant academic fraud is in the mix, the AI community has a fighting chance by uh, by partaking in a form of fraud that has left the Overton window of acceptability. The researchers in the collusion ring have finally succeeded in forcing the community to acknowledge its blind spot. For the first time, researchers reading conference proceedings will be forced to wonder, does this work? truly merit my attention or is its publication simply the result of fraud? And he goes on to say, together we can force the community to reckon with its own shortcomings and develop stronger, better and more scientific norms. Uh, it, It is a harsh treatment to be sure, a chemotherapy regime that risks destroying us entirely, but this is our best shot at destroying the cancer that has infected our community. I believe with all my heart that we can make it through this challenge and emerge stronger than ever. And when we do the secret star, artificial intelligence will be waiting. So that's his position. Uh, His position is that the fraud is endemic within that particular field of science. And David, my question then is, uh, what happens if similar levels of fraud are endemic within the health uh, scientific community or within climate change, for example?
2: Well, we end up having the sort of um, policies that we currently see being run out because fraud is endemic in these fields. In fact, fraud is now endemic in science as a whole. Um, And then it gets worse as that science is then popularized for the masses. Uh, Hence the the summary position that most science writing is false.
1: Yes, indeed. Right, well, let's uh, move on to this one then. This is on 21st Century Wire. I strongly suggest you listen to this little audio clip. This is uh, a headline New Scientific Finding Identifies Possible Mechanism for Vaccine Blood Clots. And uh, Patrick here is highlighting this uh, uh, piece of uh, audio from a radio show on point with Alex Pearson. Um, And uh, well, they're highlighting a a paper. uh, And this seems to be one of a number of papers that have been leaked from Pfizer. Um, and which uh, we're going to see much more of they are in Japanese because they're from a Japanese uh, study. Um, And uh, well, this one in particular is talking about uh, spike proteins, or at least how they spread around the body. So uh, in their particular trials here, they were looking at how uh, RNA-encapsulated lipid nanoparticles uh, move around the body from a vaccination site, in this case in rats. So uh, let's just look at a little bit of translation here. Luciferase, this, of course, is the, uh, the radioactive material that they use to track uh, stuff as it moves uh, around the, the body. Luciferase RNA encapsula- encapsulated lipid nanoparticles were intramuscularly administered at a dose of 50 micrograms RNA. Blood, plasma and tissue were collected from three males and three females of the rats at 1, 2, 4, 8, 24 and 48 hours each. The biodistribution of the lipid nanoparticles was evaluated by measuring the radioactivity concentration by the liquid scintillation counting method. So this is a standard laboratory method to quantify the radioactivity of low energy radioisotopes, mostly beta emitting and alpha emitting, and this is quite technical, but nonetheless, it's it's a standard procedure for measuring how uh, things move around the body. Uh, It goes on to say, in both males and females, the radioactivity concentration was highest at the administration site. Uh, The radioactivity concentration in plasma was the highest one to four hours after administration, but there was distribution to the liver, spleen, adrenal glands, and ovaries observed, uh, and the highest radioactivity concentration in these tissues was eight to 48 hours after administration. Uh, the total radioactivity recovery rate for doses other than the administration site was the highest in the liver, uh, significantly lower in spleen or adrenal gland and ovary. Uh, In addition, the average concentration of radioactivity and the tissue distribution pattern were generally similar between males and females. And of course, what is this showing? This is showing because uh, uh, no matter which vaccine you take, uh, the the vaccination is designed to create uh, spike protein uh, and it's uh, and antibodies to that spike protein, but uh, it creates spike protein. Uh, the spike proteins then are therefore moving uh, around the body. Uh, the point here is that's understood in that Pfizer report, uh, but as uh, Dr. Mike Williams on the UK Column website has made the point in this article, clotting and COVID vaccine science. Uh, this has been understood for many many years. Um, so. Uh, the the uh, spike protein is what is generally call, causing the, uh, the clotting uh, yeah. incidence, but also many other problems uh, and many other adverse reaction types. Uh, and here we have a Pfizer document, which has apparently been leaked from Pfizer, which is showing that uh, they understand that, that uh, uh, this material is moving away from the vaccination site itself and r- into other organs, and David that seems like a pretty significant uh, paper.
2: It is, and it's it's part of a growing body of evidence coming out from their own research, in, in this case, uh, that the, the mechanisms of harm are understood and are valid, and therefore when when we have reports through VARES and the yellow card system of clots, of deaths, of strokes, um, that, that it's, it's, it's entirely plausible uh, that these, that these uh, situations, which people have identified as, as apparently to do with the vaccine, following the vaccine, uh, very closely following upon the vaccine, it's, it's entirely plausible that this is being caused by the vaccine because the mechanism exists. That, therefore, requires some serious thought and analysis and discussion and public discussion about the risks, about the degree to which these uh, cases are being properly identified, properly studied, properly investigated, and whether the vaccine policy is any longer credible. All of that discussion, all of that analysis is entirely omitted from the government discourse and from the mainstream media discourse and to a very large extent from the scientific discourse uh, accepting some very gallant people standing up and uh, going against the trend and risking their careers to speak the truth.
1: Um, I think it. I think it could even be uh, taken a step further there, David, because of course what the the initial question that has to be asked or asked is whether uh, this pandemic in inverted commas um, was significant enough to justify any kind of mass vaccination program in the first place. Um, and before you can even look at whether the, the, uh, the risks of, of the particular vaccines have been rolled out or understood, that question has to be answered. Because if the answer is that there was no pandemic that justifies the rollout of the vaccines, then any and every uh, adverse reaction, no matter what degree, uh, well, that leaves a lot of people with a lot of questions to answer uh, with every single case that's out there.
0: Yes.
2: To, we're going to see a, a government. We're going to see a government inquiry into COVID, into the handling of COVID, and uh, I fully expect that none of these excellent questions, Mike, will ever be asked, let alone answered. Uh, I think that's absolutely correct.
0: Well, that's how the cover-ups are done. Well, against that very serious background, there of, of what the vaccines are actually doing, have a look at this picture, which I think tells at least a thousand words. So it's the Times email reveals care home warning to Matt Hancock, a leaked message sent to the health secretary in March last year, show he was alerted about the risk of spreading COVID. Well, this is a bizarre article because of course he was alerted to the risk of spreading COVID in the care homes by the bodies coming out as a result of people dying in those confined spaces. Um, But there he is playing uh, touching elbow games. so now what is this? I think this is another smokescreen to try and keep public opinion away from the dead bodies and onto to the general theatre of politics. But uh, I just found that such an appalling photograph of Hancock behaving like a 14-year-old schoolboy. But what's the subject? Elderly people dying in care homes. And of course, the Times Journalists haven't got the wherewithal to investigate the real story.
1: Uh, but uh, is the real story coming out in Scotland, David?
2: Well, this is very interesting because this, this, uh, this story will ring lots of, um, of, of alarm bells and, and will, will trigger memories for anyone who's ever been involved in any fight against official cover-up. Um, Brian and Mike, you will recognise many of these tactics. The Scottish Government uh, Agency unlawfully kept care home death figures secret. So this is the Scotsman reporting, scale of deaths in individual care homes across Scotland was unlawfully kept secret by an arm of the Scottish Government for almost eight months. In a decision it was criticised for, quote, lack of, trans- lack of transparency. Oh yes, and then some. The National Records of Scotland, which is responsible for the The official recording of all deaths in Scotland and one of the few sources of accurate information on the scale of the coronavirus impact in the care sector breached freedom of information legislation by refusing to release the number of confirmed and suspected COVID-19 related deaths in each of Scotland's care homes. So we still don't know what that looks like. Um, The information commissioner said uh, the executive agency of the Scottish Government had engaged in arguments that were speculative in nature in an attempt to block the publication of the statistics. The National Records of Scotland officials said that uh, they would now make uh, the data available online line with decision. Uh, while Scottish Care, another government body, maintained there was a real risk to the health and safety of care home staff with the publication of the data. Work that one out, gentlemen. Elsewhere, they, they, they also said there was a risk to their well-being, which of course means happiness. So maybe they just wouldn't be happy if we knew what was actually happening in the care homes. Responding to the request, the National Records of Scotland attempted to claim the data was exempt from disclosure due to data protection sensitivities. Now we've heard this excuse many, many times. This was rejected by the Information Commissioner on the basis that personal data must relate to individuals who are living. Um, The National Care uh, Inspectorate uh, uh, spokesperson said, In considering our submission to the National Records of Scotland on the publication of data, we raised concerns at the time about the impact uh, publication of data relating to deaths in individual care homes during the pandemic would have on the physical or mental health or safety of people experiencing care and those who provided care. I still don't follow their argument there. They continue, quote, further to request to publish data, on deaths uh, that the Care Inspectorate holds. We have recently been informed uh, by the Office of the Scottish Information Commissioner that it is lawful for us to publish the data we hold, which specifically relates to deaths in individual care homes during the pandemic. So they were pointing to vague, speculative, imaginative health and safety risks and saying, no, you can't know what's going on. Um, And the two different uh, parts of the government were cooperating to conceal this information from legitimate inquiry and uh, fortunately we do have an information commissioner who uh, will act against this and that information is now going to come out.
0: Uh, And it needs to David because if we're covering up dead bodies of course the government and its agencies can do anything they want so whether it's somebody beaten up in a, a police cell who dies if you can cover the bodies up, if you control the death certificates, all the things that are happening, then you've got a government that can commit any crime it wants.
2: Yes. And just to reiterate, what were the reasons given? Well, it's private information. OK, it's GDPR, uh, number one, and health and safety, because if our uh, if our crimes and, and misdemeanors and failings and, and incompetence is revealed, they, then, you know, it will have a bad effect on our mental health because the public will know what we've been up to. And that mental health problem is a health and safety issue. Uh, and it will affect our well-being, meaning happiness. And that's, that's an issue too. These are, in, with a straight face, are being offered as reasons why the Scottish government is concealing vital information from the Scottish people. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, look, we're just about out of time, but uh, let's uh, let's just have a quick look at this. Kent Live has uh, been complaining once again. Now, if you remember... It's our old friend. Yes, our old friend uh, at Kent Live we uh, were complaining about the UK column at one point in the not-too-distant past, uh, but uh, now they're complaining about others. Dozens of COVID denial stickers appearing on benches and gates in Bexley Park. Uh, and so here's one. This is uh, the White Rose organization, but... Uh, uh, stop saying asymptomatic. Uh, the word you're looking for is healthy, uh, is one of the stickers that's uh, doing the rounds. And here's another one. Uh, sick until proven healthy is no less tyrannical than guilty until proven innocent. Um, so I think, uh, David, uh, those that's fair enough commentary. And uh, well, Kent Live, however, doesn't seem to like it too much.
2: No, and I've seen another one. Um, the media is the virus. And another one... Uh, written on a wall. If, uh, if you tell a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. And there's a little girl scoring out the word truth and writing in in place COVID-19. Yes. Uh, but the BBC,
1: uh, well, oh dear. They didn't like to report on the, uh, on the march. They didn't like to report on the, the march that took place a week or two ago where people were outside their very building, but they don't seem to want to talk about this one either.
0: I don't like the no, light sh- they don't. Sh- sh- shone on them, really.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, they do not. Listen, uh, I don't know who did this. If if you're out there, please drop us a line. Let us know who you are. This is magnificent. So someone's gone along to Bush House, uh, complete with its uh, statue of paedophilia in the front entrance. It's broad. It's and it's beamed onto the side of the building a uh, a uh, 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 sort of laser show which says. Uh, British Brainwashing Corporation. And isn't that true? And you know, it it is remarkable that the BBC are now so sensitive on these things, they cannot report it. Because, of course, if they mention this, people are going to agree that that is an accurate analysis. So they have to be silent about it. It's just another one of the many, many, many things that the BBC can no longer say. It's sort of like they're down to very few things that are now in their realm. Um, They know they're the piper, uh, they know who's paying the tune, uh, paying the piper, and they know what tune they're meant to play, and anything else they really don't want to know about at all. Um, Yeah, okay. Uh, Are we sure that
1: that's not not a Photoshop job, David?
2: Uh, Are we? I, well, maybe if it's a Photoshop and it didn't happen, let well, us know that as well. I well, think that's genuine. I think, it looks, I think it looks correct. If it's Photoshop, they've done it very well because as the text goes across the windows, the, um, uh, the, the, the colour changes in a very convincing fashion. So uh, I, I think it's genuine.
0: Well, David, if it uh, isn't, if, it should be. If we're
2: wrong, let us know.
0: Yeah, if it isn't genuine, it should be, and somebody needs to sort the problem out. So we'd like a real one, please, yes. if this turns out to not be real, but the sentiment is obviously correct. Um, okay, now, uh, f- ending with a little bit of video here, David.
2: Yeah, so this, this we just want to uh, finish on this. This is a, a bit of video from the march on Saturday in London. Now, uh, the lady here um, saw, uh, a, Uh, a song presented by Dolly Parton, where she uh, re-worked her hit, uh, Jolene, um, uh, to make it a song about vaccine and uh, to encourage everyone to to take the vaccine. So this young lady, dressed up as Dolly Parton, uh, apologised to the camera that this is a, a, a terrible thing that she'd done, that she shouldn't be bullying people into taking the vaccine and everyone should be finding out the facts themselves and making up their own minds. Uh, she then uh, published this on, uh, on YouTube uh, and uh, it got quite a lot of circulation. She went along to the march uh, to sing it live as the march went along and got the crowd joining in and uh, it's quite raucous and it's quite lively and it's quite joyful and it's quite wonderful.
3: Vaccine, 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 I'm begging of you, please don't take that jab. Vaccine, 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 your acquiescence won't protect your grass. The side effects should make you scared Blood clots, strokes, and even death Miscarriage till birth, infertility We're all human guinea pigs Injecting us with microchips Dehumanizing you with their vaccine It's okay to inject a baby's DNA and that is what they've put in your vaccine. You can show up your, <laughs> back your It will genetically change man, but that has always been their plan. I pray to God you don't take that vaccine Vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. vaccine, vaccine. Your acquiescence won't protect your brand. Aluminium and mercury, formaldehyde and gelatine, and sharks that are slaughtered for squally. I hope you really think this through. Our futures will now depend on you and whether you decide to take that vaccine. One more time! Time. Vaccine! Vaccine. Vaccine! 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 I'm begging of you, please don't take that jab. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. A quack scene
2: There we go Well, well, yeah and and the the, the cut there she was just about to shout freedom and um, that's what it's all about it's about the freedom to make up our own minds the freedom to research, the freedom to think, the freedom to discuss, the freedom to choose, uh, the freedom to march, uh, and the freedom to live.
0: And if we add to that, from that Australian clip with the police, what are the establishment are frightened of, what are the police frightened of? It's simply the truth, so get the truth out there and the facts. But we're going to give Dolly Parton the vote, I think, aren't we? That was a really excellent performance and uh, far better than the BBC, clearly. We'll end it there. Yes. Now, we're, we're not going to do an extra.
1: No, we're not doing an extra today. It is a bank holiday, so we uh,
2: should.
0: We've given extra service for the news <laughs> and today there will not be a, an extra, but we will be happy to do that on Wednesday. Yes. So we're gonna say thank you to everybody who's joined us. Thank you to everybody who sent in emails. Over the weekend, we've had a lot of emails from overseas, including a lot from Germany in particular, and I think it's really wonderful to see the teamwork starting to improve between nation states, because of course, remember that the ultimate world government agenda is to get rid of individual nations. So we should be staying friends with as many nations as possible. David, one last comment.
2: I've been uh, in receipt of another seven-day Twitter ban for mentioning vaccine adverse reactions and government statistics. Uh, so you won't see me on Twitter for a few days, but uh, if you don't already follow me on Twitter, it's albion underscore rover. Until they throw me off completely, please see me there. Thank you.
0: Okay. All Thanks right. for joining us. Bye-bye.